What it do? What the business is? Another week in the books. It's your man Spike Lumo. What up? What up, though? How we doing, bro? It's another week in the books, man. Can't complain. Great feedback on the project we're working on, man. On the big and better and great things, man. I'm happy to have you around, brother. Hey, man. Same here, man. I feel like, again, y'all, y'all don't know. Y'all going to find out we the Outcast Podcast. Y'all going to figure <laughs> it out it. later on, man. I love it, man. So it's I good love to it. be here, man. Absolutely, man. This past week, another week in the books, we're going to give you some stuff on commitment this week. Mm-hmm. Mo, you got some dope ass questions and some dope stuff we want into. You guys are familiar with Spike Movie, you know what we do. So let's hop right into it off deck. So <clears throat> I was listening, as y'all know, I'm the uh, on decker of the millennium, <laughs> 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 on decker of the millennium, all star, whatever you may. Right. Uh, so we do something here called Off Deck, which is uh, I'm a fan of the show still, which is uh, hosted by yours truly, Spike Lou and Animal Brown or C.J. Williams. Whichever, whichever he <laughs> moniker that A.B.C.J.F.D. feels like going. Yeah. That day. Shout out, I got. So they were talking about most influential uh, hip hop labels. It was a great episode with 10 of them. And it, it brought to me. Uh, an idea or even like a thought. And I know we've alluded to it before with like P and uh, some other artists, but I, I kind of, I guess I wanted to ask like, what's the most influential artist in your life? Uh, and like, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned through them? Like musically or like not musically, just where you take it personal mm. in your day to day. That's a great question. And as I elaborated to in our previous episode, man, music, raised me being a single being the child of a single parent and my mom did her job as far as making sure that I had everything that I needed and in the way that she did that she had to work my mom worked her ass off she had two jobs essentially my whole childhood and what that leaves me to my own devices as only child to like listen to different stuff and, and come across all types of music without being able, without her having monitoring, like and putting a filter on what I can listen to. So that was pretty dope. And with that, like you asked, you are raised by music, man. I remember the first, we used to have this thing, you may be too young, to have a little thing where you ordered the CDs off a sheet, you would get 12 CDs for a penny. Nigga. So Bro, you, I heard you, about <laughs> you would order those. So I would get those in the mail, have them sent to grandma's house. Mom knew nothing about it. The first couple I ordered, too short, was in that motherfucker. And the only reason that I ordered it, one of my homeboy used to talk about it. I don't know where his young ass knew. I think he had older uncles and stuff. But the album cover, how it looked, it had the bitches on there and shit, naked. Oh, I'm like, definitely getting this. Oh, yes. Yeah. Click that for my shit. <laughs> click that for my penny went. <laughs> And boom, it was out there. So first, one of the first rappers I remember influencing, like, my thought process and just life in general was too short. And he had a song called The Ghetto, and he had a song called I'm a Player. How old was you at this point? Bruh, I may have been nine. And people didn't know who Too Short is. And listening to him at nine is nuts. But he's literally rap porn. <laughs> porn. Rap porn, bro. Like Too Short, I remember that was like those those comedy albums. Like, uh-uh, Richard Pryor coming on. Go 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 in the back. Go sit down somewhere. Hell yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, like, my mom don't follow none of that shit, so she don't even know who the fuck that is. She could have came across the CD if it wasn't for the visual images on the front. She don't know. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, they played that shit on the radio too in Nashville. I'm a player was the biggest song. And I remember that was probably the, one of the first rap songs I learned. But as far as being an influence, I thought Too Short was so cool. But that, for me, I don't think there's one. It gradually changes over the years because it went from Too Short just because I felt like I wasn't supposed to be listening to it and it had some sort of intrigue to now, okay, let me find stuff that I like. And that, of course, turned into Tupac. Tupac was probably the most influential whenever I felt a certain way just because of the emotions that he had in his music from maybe 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. That was the guy mm-hmm. until he passed and Master P came about. And then it was all no limit. And like the whole, because... We didn't see a representation in rap 
and that was the thing that I watched most during that age of the South. Nobody looked like us. They was all from New York and Cali and shit. So when P started making noise, that was like the best. Even though it wasn't on TV and shit, like it was just the music and they sounded like how we talked and they talked about some of the shit, used the same slang and terminology. So this was the pot. So Master P was probably the most influential for the longest time. I went and got gold. Like I had four gold teeth in my mouth when I was 16. I said, <laughs> Mike Lou I, with had, the- I had four goals across the front with diamonds. People used to think they were permanent too. Like I'll see people now and they'll be like, damn, bro, you're like, like that I haven't seen in a long time from high school or something. <laughs> and they would have thought like gold teeth were in my mouth. But that, that was like my signature. I had four gold teeth with diamonds in They was like straight across or you straight had across, space? Solid gold. Absolutely. I went and paid. I remember that. I put them motherfuckers on railway, nigga. I went yeah, down yeah. to the jewelry store. Well, nigga did the afterpay before the afterpay. After pay, after the afterpay before afterpay for the gold <laughs> teeth, nigga. 16 years old. I had been working since I was 14, so it wasn't nothing to pay at all. I just have some money to put towards shit like this frivolous dumb shit like that. But <laughs> what you what you what you pay for them at that time? We talking what, 2000? Yeah, two Man, this was 90. Oh, this is 90. Might have been 2000. Yeah, this was 99. 98, somewhere in there. And uh, it may have been six, seven hundred bucks, something like that. It wasn't over seven hundred dollars. It was like maybe six hundred dollars. I couldn't even imagine, bro. Sixteen like years you. old. Uh, <laughs> what'd you say? I was about to say again. It was broken up too. Okay. You take one check. It, it, so how I, I coming off the summer, that age, I was able to work forty hours. So you work forty hours, your checks fat in the summer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Use your fat checks to go put the down payment on it. So you okay. maybe put maybe $200 down. And then that saving two checks, put $200 down, then come back around here of the week and put down on it. Me and all my homeboys, when it got them, I was just the first one to be able to get mine out because I had a job. And then one of my homeboys, when it got some trash, when she going to listen to this, probably bust out. Like, he had the worst goals <laughs> ever. Why was they so bad? And it was he didn't get them like the, the thing about gold teeth that you gotta get the molding right. Like you gotta go get a good molding. Oh shit. And then when the motherfucker making them, he gotta make it as close to that molding as possible. That way they look real. Like my shit looked like I had mine like put in. And we used to use <laughs> I mean, all the young dumbasses used to use like the shit that they use for dentures. Mm-hmm. And put it in the bottom of them. That way, it really wouldn't come out. Like they'd be stuck in that motherfucker. So even if a motherfucker tried you and be like, "Oh, them ain't really nah, nigga, you stuck in it, nigga." Yeah, y'all niggas. Trident, I believe this shit was called. I can't remember what. <laughs> Fix a dent. That was the name. Fix a dent. Actually, I feel like I seen that. Man, we used to put that in the bottom of our goals, like a little line, like a little toothpaste line. Just push it down in there, and then boom, your shit stick in your mouth. That's, so, so you, so y'all immediately. That's the first thing, just the fashion sense. Yeah, the fashion sense. My nigga wore Versace and stuff, so it wasn't really that as far as the fashion. But yeah, the other stuff, the gold teeth, the Reeboks, the the, the Jabos, that more so came with cash money, but. Once those things started to like, oh shit, this is what the South represents, then we started to do those things too. So that was really influential in my childhood. Like Master P, No Limit, Cash Money was it. But do you, do you so is is No Limit and Master P them like the first uh like for you the influential where it went from the track to your real life actually trying to do shit? Like you know what I mean? Like you can listen to stuff like, man, that's cool. Oh, that's tight. Mm-hmm. But like where it's something you like so much that it brings you to have to implement something. Is that the first thing? Like from- Absolutely. Because okay. it almost felt like, hey man, if you like again, cause where are we from, bro, it wasn't a lot of people doing different shit. They was getting to it, working, just doing regular normal shit, but it wasn't a whole lot of oh, you can do this, do that, do this, do that, like it is now. Like, bro, it's one or two options you had. And Master P at one option displayed the best course of getting to the top. Mm-hmm. So emulating that was natural for us because that's what we wanted to be popular, dress good, have a lot of money, and, and what they were displaying. Like, we wanted to be that at that age. So if you're telling me, hey, you did it this way by shooting, killing, robbing, drug dealing, then yeah. I guess that's what we need to be in yeah. order to be successful, which is unfortunate because, again, yeah. Most of me, my friends, and people that are raised by single moms, moms really can't not do part of their home. Mm-hmm. 
be there and, and just have their hands on them and pay attention to what they're doing, which is why I don't put a lot of fault on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you left to your own devices and you see something that you think is successful at that age, like, hell yeah, I want to emulate that. So yeah, I was emulating those things. Then until you get older that you realize well, what the hell was I doing? So was was it more notoriety for y'all to lean into like PM versus uh, eight ball MJG or uh, uh, three six mafia since y'all from Tennessee or like why why them so much a little further southern than more you know closer to home is it well, was it did they not stand out as much as far as I've, I've always been an eight ball and MJG fan and that's a good question but so at that time those rappers were older for older guys because look at the depth of what they talking about look at outcast dungeon family a ball ugk even though that was one of my favorite groups and i listened to all of them but even now i go back and listen to them and it's insightful informative like oh shit this is it and it's registers with me now as a 40 year old man however back then i want to hear that shit mm-hmm. all the time P them dumbed it down. They made it fun. It looked fun. It was interesting. If you go back and look at all those groups, that shit, they they wasn't having no fun. They didn't look successful. The niggas was just rappers. Yeah. He personified something different. In Baby Cash Money, Bling Bling, they personified something different, something that hit closer to home, even though they were further away. Mm-hmm. Age group with the hot boys, like that was it. That was what we wanted to be. Or even with P, it was like niggas that we seen around that were successful so boom hell yeah I want to emulate that but we listened to those other groups they just didn't have the impact that P did but that grew to I think after that era ended my favorite rapper was Jay-Z because I got into East Coast rap and then found myself not trying to emulate him but Dame Dash more so the biggest I say one of my biggest biggest influences in life, period, on how I carry myself and how I look at people around me and how, like, progressing towards one goal, I got that shit from Dame Dash. Like, the, the clip wow. in, in Backstage. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the clip in Backstage? No, 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 no. You gotta no. know the nigga about the jacket? No. Nah. You know the Backstage story? Have you is seen that, it? Is that on that Fade to Black? No, it's another documentary. On, it's called Backstage. And the situation was... Like Rockefeller, of course, you know them. Yeah. They were backstage on tour and Def Jam, who they were signed, they were partners with. They were handing out jackets with niggas' names on there. So it would be a Def Jam jacket, had the Def Jam emblem on the back. And let's say it's Memphis Bleak. So his name would be right there. And I may not be telling the story 100% correct. Go check it out. That'll probably be the homework. You know what? I may have heard this on a podcast. Yeah. So they had the Def Jam logo on the back and the Mm -hmm. names of the artists on the front. And Dame was screaming on niggas like, "What?" So then, knowing this, why wouldn't you be extra sensitive about giving everybody Def Jam jackets on this tour? Why? Why? You're president, now you know. So either you're real smart or you're real dumb. It's one or the other. And I'm not gonna say that you're real dumb. I'm gonna say you're real smart. So you know better. You all know better. Our artist name on the back. With Def Jam, so you think we not signed to Def Jam? We're Rockefeller, and it wasn't the fact that they did it. It was more so the fact that niggas that was with him and the other niggas that did it didn't understand. Like, bro, I'm building a movement. I'm putting a found. I'm like, this is the foundation of a movement, and you niggas is not falling in line. Y'all ain't seeing the vision. And it was so impressive to me how hard he rolled for his brand and what mm. he believed in. Because mm-hmm. again, being uh, a single parent household, you know, I don't see that from a male figure. Mm-hmm. But Dame Dash after P, after Pac, after that stuff, that was the most influential. I like Jay Z, the music was there, but what was influential about that whole Jay Z run to me was Dame Dash. Like that's what, what did- I I seen myself. Okay, if I want to model myself and be successful in business, I want to be like that. Because and I can only imagine because you're you're looking at him. It's like well. I mean, you know, every nigga try to rap. Like we we know that. Like every nigga try to rap. Everybody had that face. But like you look at him, like, well, he's not the rapper, but he he on that fly shit. 
with the rest of the niggas. What is he just, doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, wait a minute, I could do that, right? And I, I, I could totally rap. see that. And, and I, ain't I ain't got, got a rap. rap. <laughs> I ain't got a hoop. You know what I'm saying? Like I could totally see Hell that. Hell yeah. And it, like I said, how passionate he was about it, and and the fact that having a vision, and that got a lot to do with what we were talking about with mm-hmm. the theme of this episode and the tying in is having a vision goes a lot to commitment. One of the biggest reasons I feel like that us as people as society, we have a problem with commitment because we don't have a full vision. Mm-hmm. We don't have the necessary information to understand how long processes take, mm-hmm. how long it takes to accurately complete a vision. Like niggas will see something and it'll look hard or it ain't the way that they planned it to do. It may take longer and you start to see people fall off just because not that they're not committed to it they didn't understand in the beginning the requirements mm-hmm. so you get into it and you like oh yeah i got this i got this i got this shit getting hard or shit and start not going the way you want it it wavers niggas because in yeah. the beginning they didn't it ain't really about the commitment if you tell i feel like if you tell somebody at the beginning like look man this is probably gonna be some of the hardest shit you ever do so mm-hmm. before you even hop into this my nigga do you want to do it or not Mm-hmm. Give them that decision on the front end, then you don't have a lot of problem with commitment. However, mm-hmm. if you lead them on and like, ah, it's gonna be some easy shit, man. It's cool. And we get down into it, and you like, oh shit, man, I wasn't expecting this. Hell mm-hmm. yeah, I'm gonna give up. I ain't give. I, I didn't know that I was getting into this in the front end. I just wanted the reward. I wasn't expecting the whole process to be something that mm-hmm. I gained from. I feel like that's a problem we have with commitment to skip forward a little bit and hit to the theme of the episode. But yeah. what about you? What were the influences for your age group? I don't want to talk to him. Nah, you ain't. I, I moved through it a little bit. Uh, but I, I just say the first like artist that made me go from listening to the music to implement em, emulating would be Ti. Mm-hmm. Like, and you got to remember, I'm from the Midwest. So I'm from I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. So the closest thing we got in regards to like straight Indianapolis artists that I'm f- familiar with is Freddie Gibbs. Oh my God. You know, what I'm, so, exactly. That's unfortunate. Exactly. So, <laughs> actually, when I was rapping years ago, I tried to reach out. <laughs> I was Shut one of those. If you want yeah. to be on EGN, nigga, I was on some clown <laughs> shit. You know, niggas leave a comment, yo, I, I got this fire. Like, I was like, hey, yo, it's a dope beat pack, bro. Like, this is a dope collaboration, bro. Like, I'm from Nap, you from Gary. Like, let's make it happen. Like, this nigga wasn't, like, come on. Anyways, <laughs> but. But T.I. was like the first one I don't know what it was about him But when he came out and uh, I remember that B.E.'s I thought that shit was fire But when it was like Rubber Band Man And like David Banner on that production When I seen that nigga And he used to wear that cap on the side like that <laughs> Nigga I wore everything like that bro That's funny You remember, you remember you little... That's my favorite rapper of all time T.I. is your favorite rapper of all time? Absolutely nigga. Anybody that, tell you, anybody that know me can tell you that uh, we don't have, we, Oh Oh yeah, we gonna we gonna come back to this. I, I got about. It's I love Ti. No, I love Ti. Facts. He, so to to continue the gradual impact of the influence that I'm speaking of, it went from like I said, Master P, Cash Money. First, it was local rappers. I don't want to leave that out at all. Okay. Uh, Pistol, Cool Daddy, Fresh. Like we used to have these local rappers, like in Nashville specifically. It, it, when people say music city, they think of country music. Mm-hmm. Where Nashville got their own industry music industry within the music industry and that goes for hip-hop too like it's a really dope scene so when i was coming up it was this cat called cool daddy fresh he was in the fifth grade bro the fifth grade i remember my homeboy that i still i'm still cool with today we've been friends since the first grade he stole his cousin's tape of cool daddy fresh cool daddy fresh had this song It's all on you. That was the name of it. Some mm. shit like that, bro. But that was the first tape that I learned. I couldn't believe it. He was from the same city that I was, and it was dope. I know that tape. It was a tape when I got it. Cassette, CD project, or whatever you want to call it. I'll send you a link to it. We might put it in the show notes or whatever, but it, it's on YouTube. Okay. That was the first influence. Local rap, him and a guy named Pilsner. All right. That grew into that. But to get to T.I., <laughs> After uh, Master the P King and all of that, bit. absolutely, nigga. I seen him. I remember Bro. first time seeing I'm Serious video 
Like this is before you even talking. You talking about three albums I later? Legend. Yeah, I'm talking about Urban the first Land, yeah. joint. When I seen a nigga rapping over the Beanie Man shit mm-hmm. on Yo MT, or excuse me, on BT Rap City, mm-hmm. I'm like, man, who is this nigga? Yeah. And then the line that got me, he said, dog, to be better than me, you're going to need a feature from God featuring Jesus and Jay-Z. <laughs> that was the line. I said, oh, nah, this is my nigga. This is my guy. I'm going to buy this track. I'm, I'm going to buy the project today. Bro. I remember going, it wasn't it wasn't out yet, actually. It was just a single that was out. But the day that dropped, nigga, I kept checking back and T.I. was my guy from that day forward. I mean, for me, of course, you know, for me, it was definitely the never scared. You know, everybody know the famous mm, line, I take yeah. your cookies. Like, everybody, yeah. you know, remember that, you know. But I remember, like, who's this little skinny, light-skinned nigga? But he looked crazy in the eyes. Like, he just looked like he really mean what he talking about. And I mm-hmm. used to watch them videos. And, like, by the time I got to, you know, and I'm just talking about obviously the radio singles. Like I'm a big fan of Urban Legend. Like I ran that shit back so yeah. many times in high school. But like when by the time he got to like bring them out, no matter of fact, it was after that at the end of Bring Them Out when they used to do the the, the cut on the video at the back end. Mm-hmm. And that nigga did that. You don't know me. And that nigga was like in the parking garage, and it had that that little ominous drum beat. You might have seen me in the street, but nigga, I'm like nigga. I swear, I thought I was hard as shit, bro. Like I was like nigga. You don't know me, nigga. Like I was like, <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about. I'm wearing the rubber bands. You remember when, like the, the, the you know, regular rubber bands, and after they had that wave of like the life strong shit. Like I just wore all kind of rubber bands, just, <laughs> just copying the rubber the band shit. man. Rubber band man. Like didn't even know what that meant until years later. But like Ti was like definitely the first influential as far as like straight from music to everyday activity. But trying to be like, and another thing with that, the commitment issue, right? Mm-hmm. That we talk about. Normally, when you have someone new coming to the game like that, nigga like T.I., I'm the king of the South. This nigga on his first album is saying, motherfuckers like Scarface, UGK still out, like outcasts from the same city as him. But he committed to, nah, I'm the king of the South, bro. You can feel however you want to feel about it. You can mm-hmm. tell me that it ain't going to work. Mm-hmm. My commitment is to this. This is the brain. Mm-hmm. And that nigga ain't never let that go. And in my opinion, that's the reason that you had a T.I. success that you had. Like, he could have easily wavered off that stop self calling himself that because people had a problem with that yeah. in the beginning. I'm not sure if you remember that, but people, ain't going to sign. What are you talking about? Man. Nah, nigga, this is what it is. Nah, I'm committed to this. Me and my sister literally quote, as we roll into the commitment subject, me and my sister literally quote, uh, like, when they had that beef DVD shit out and T.I., they had this little uh, clip that, I think uh, it was Lil Flip. Uh, it said, "My face is the king of the south." Pussy nigga, shut the fuck up. I'm cool with face, even he know that you a sucker. Was ripping it, bro. I remember that. So, but but tying it into that, uh, the the commitment thing. Um, yeah, you had to be committed. Not only him, but of course Wayne saying I'm the best rapper alive. Best rapper alive. And, and that's why I'm claiming what I'm claiming with this podcast. We the outcast of podcasts. Like, like we um, and we gonna continue to keep pushing that because if you start something, you got to finish it. You know what I'm saying? And as we get into it, I know you alluded to it earlier about why black people uh, have a hard time committing. Uh, when I was trying to do oh, wait, a bit, wait, wait, before we go there, before uh, we get there real quick, mm-hmm. something happened in the news that has to do with the first subject. And I want your opinion on it. Okay. There's a kid that was locked up in Georgia here. You following the YSL thing? Uh, Lightweight. OK, so. People that are listening, if you don't follow, if you're not following YSL, Young Thug's group, mm-hmm. Young Thug was indicted, uh, RICO charges. They said he was running criminal continuing activity. They said that YSL was a gang, not a record label. And he was denied bond just this past weekend. There was a kid in Georgia, and this has to do with, we're talking about influence. He threatened the sheriff's deputy office wife thinking this may have been the sheriff he told them why as hell don't get out of jail i'm killing y'all they charged him with 27 felony counts his kids like 15 16 years old they charged him with 27 felony counts of threatening because he told them why as hell don't get out of jail i'm shooting and i'm killing y'all give me some feedback i see your face my boy <laughs> now 
here's the thing that happened in the group chat when I posted that we have an Atlanta apologist, M Extra, you may know, <laughs> on Deck TV fame. Shout out to M Extra. Absolutely. That's my guy. He's a YSL apologist, Atlanta native, anything Atlanta, actually. Mm -hmm. He says, damn, those parents, man, they really failed him. I'm speaking in hyperbole here, of course. Mm -hmm. But his side of it was, that's unfortunate, but his mom and dad should do better. Laying no blame on YSL or the child. Mm -hmm. A question to you, Mo, if they are charged and indicted with being a criminal, ongoing gang activity, does any fault lie on young thug YSL for what this young man did? Uh, I uh, let it out. Nah, 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 nah. I'm, I'm just gonna have to, I'm just gonna stick on it. Stick with it. Nah, because I, I I agree with the parent thing. It's like I mean they're gonna listen to what he's gonna listen to when you're not in the house. But when you're in my household, you ain't listening to that shit. I'm watching your streams. I'm watching. I got your login info. I'm gonna see what you're listening to. So I'm I'm all in your grip when it comes to the now. I can even watch you when you go out somewhere. You try to change your password, you got to come home. So I, I, I do understand the parenting aspect of it, but I can't put it on YSL because it's like I'm, I didn't say I was marketing to, marketing to 15 year olds. I put my issue and I'm going to double, triple, quadruple down. My problem is radio programming. That's the shit that pisses me off. It's like, bro, I took my daughter to a, a school dance and they was playing the old school shit at first. I'm like, cool, they playing, you know, Will Smith, Get Jiggy With It, Frankie Beverly, Amaze, all, all that shit. And then next thing you know, the kids didn't know it. Then they had to turn to some, like, I think Super Gremlin or some shit. Mm. Nigga, it was blanked out so many times and the kids knew the shit. I'm like, that, that's the shit that bothers me. It's like, it's the programming. How old is like, your daughter? Seven. Oh, shit. You know what I mean? Like she don't, she don't know it like that. But the other second graders, you know what I mean, first graders or whatever, and they dancing and you know they having fun with it. They don't know what it means. But I blame the radio programming. But I do think with YSL, to put it in a nutshell, I mean, look, once you got on, you talk, you told your story, you, you trapped, you hustled, you you popped a nigga, whatever you did, you told your story. Move on. Mm. Like T Pain well, said, see, fucking do something else. Some different music. I think that they sell lifestyle, bro. Like any brand, rapper, famous person, now media personality, Instagram influencer, whatever. I'm selling lifestyle, and the kids want to be a part of that lifestyle. So I do lay onus on the parents, like you're saying that, like. And this is easy for me to say because I'm not a parent. Mm -hmm. I commend you guys for how hard <laughs> you guys have taken. Yeah, but. Being my age down, what's conducive to a child is creating an environment that they feel comfortable in, that they can, they want to be in, that they can be themselves. So I know this may, and you can object me here because again, you are a parent. I wouldn't care if my kids listening to that because I feel like my job is to provide the life that that's cool and you know that that's entertainment. But you don't want to be young thug. Like, you ain't threatening to go kill motherfuckers because they got locked up. It's a sad and unfortunate event, but I've raised you right enough to understand, like, those, they, that's on them. That ain't our shit. Like, you ain't got to be out here threatening motherfuckers behind YSL to be a part of their lifestyle because we got a good lifestyle over here. Like, I, my expectation for my child would be you getting everything you want need. And I know that's difficult when you're dealing with teenagers mm -hmm. and how easily influenced they are. Mm -hmm. so that's how I get back to the onus being on YSL because just like you said, you can say your shit and get out of here. That's cool, but that ain't what it's about, is it? Like they rappers, they artists, they marketing, their lifestyle, they brand. So we're going to keep talking about it. We're going to keep wanting you to be a part of it. And unfortunately for them, let the Rico charges because they weren't far enough removed from yeah. it. Yeah. To be talking about it. And T.I. famously always said this, mm -hmm. bro. You can't do both. You got to do one or the other. If mm -hmm. you're going to be out here in the streets in the game, then go on and be out here. Mm -hmm. But you can't be rapping about it. If you're mm -hmm. going to be rapping about it, leave it the fuck alone. Mm -hmm. You can't do both. T.I. was the blueprint. T.I. was the blueprint of going from the transition from one life to the next. Mm. Um, Which is it? Yeah, G's, 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 yeah. 
Jeezy was the next on my I, list for influential. Like T.I. is my guy forever. Bro. But but T.I. to me, T.I. Yeah. did it better. Nah, from a, no, think, think about the business. Who did it better? Well, strictly from an impact standpoint. Oh, I'm impact. Yeah, in the business. But when we're talking about that type of rapping. Oh, that, yeah. Like. Oh, he, he was deeper was in there. Yeah, he, he was, was deep. Michael Jackson. Like he said, I'm Michael Jackson in my lane. Like, I'm the nigga that <laughs> niggas wasn't even like, bro, niggas wasn't even talking about yeah, you're right. what Jeezy was talking about to the extent till he started doing it. Now uh, everybody trap rappers and it's a whole oh, genre. Yeah. But bro, I specifically remember my homeboy who's passed to this day, God rest his soul. He, he used to come to Atlanta all the time. He came with a mixtape. He said, man, y'all got to hear this. I'm like, bro, it ain't can't be all of that. He's like, nah, bro, y'all ain't never heard no shit like this. He's like, dude, you gas this, dude. You full of shit. And he's like, no, I promise you. And nigga went to the car. He grabbed a mix CD. And motherfucker had writing on it. And he played. And that motherfucker came on and just even the hook. I can feel a hundred thousand in Sean. Like we was like, Nick, like you should have seen. <laughs> it was five or six niggas in the room. Everybody faces was like the jaws was on the floor. <laughs> niggas was like, whoa, you was right, nigga. We ain't never heard no shit like this. The way that Jeezy was putting it down on Air Forces and that first time hearing him, nobody's bro, ever. Bro, that, that intro on uh Trapadine mixtape that. Let's go for another round. Oh my god, bro! It, it was a point in time in our city where every car had that shit blasting out of that motherfucker. Like it wasn't a person that wasn't listening to that that damn project that you just mentioned right there. Oh man, yeah, but that 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 Jeezy hit like that, and again. Yeah, that's selling lifestyle. We yeah. looked at that and we were like, "Oh shit, like that nigga is the rapping about what's going on, even mm-hmm. right here. We don't even mm-hmm. know who this nigga is. This is fire." Mm-hmm. But that goes to like, I do think that the artist holds some responsibility to that. If you're not going to relay in your music the consequences of what's going on, then you have to be more vocal on your socials and more vocal in your interviews about, "Hey, there's two sides to this. You can't mm-hmm. let kids perceive that." I'm looking at you on Instagram and you doing the money phones. You got the jewelry and YSL. Mm-hmm. That you can't make them think that that's the perfect life mm-hmm. because then you get shit like this. Mm-hmm. You, so I do put some of the onus on the artists. Like we just have to be more mature in black culture, period. Yes. Yeah. Like period. Even we do the situation that happened with YSL, we yeah. just have to be more mature in black culture, period. Provide context for everything. I feel like there's no misunderstanding. So yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I I, I concede, and I, I do agree that we do have to put that on them in a in a way. Moving on to the black family structure. So <laughs> black black uh, black family structure. I feel like I should have family matters plan or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, as we were speaking of before this episode, I guess it's been kind of a two part episode between influence and commitment. Um, and so more on the back end of the commitment uh, part. You had said earlier about why you felt that us as black people don't commit. There was a phrase I had a a business venture with a guy years ago. I was trying to do some like financial business venture, a side hustle, whatever. It didn't work out. But like he had a phrase that I feel is very pivotal to this. And he says, it's not that we plan to fail is that we fail to plan. And that's not, I mean, that's probably not a new phrase, but it was new to me at that time. And I thought about that and it always stuck with me. It's like, it's not that you're not trying. It's because you haven't thought it out. Like you said, you haven't planned for it. You haven't created a a vision for it. And it takes years to figure that shit out. But I want to tie it even more outside of just us as black people. But I want to be more specific of why do you think black men or black women have trouble committing in relationships what is that a why why do men often and it's still a thing 2022 and we're still seeing the same things of men and of course we can speak women too but like men just not wanting to commit if you have a dope partner significant other 
and yet you don't want to claim anything on it is it what is what what's the the pushback on on that what is it when you say claim you mean like be specifically i mean some people won't even say like this is my girlfriend like mm. we i'm talking about as low as this is my girlfriend like as high as this is my wife but people won't even do that now uh we just kicking it we just we just i don't understand that mm. joe budden said in a song he said i don't fall in love i stand up in it and i thought that was really dope and so i i just curious maybe you 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 have some insight on why that is i never understood that when i was younger i still don't really especially now with this generation they're really like oh we just kicking it or we just whatever and we we talking about years down the road we just kicking right. it well we'll come to see on this podcast mo my vast wealth of knowledge that i have the one area in which i do say that i'm not great in is relationship advice i try to stay away from that <laughs> i try to stay away from that and okay I, my dad actually told me and he told his whole story about my dad. We'll get into a story about this nigga around Nashville beforehand, where to get mm. a glimpse of it. Mm-hmm. He said that his sister called him one day because she was fighting with some dude, and he went over there. He had this rep around the city, so he was coming. Niggas do get little or whatever it may be. But in short, he did whatever had to happen to the dude fucking with his sister. And once that was over. His mom was mad at him. They mom was mad at him. We let him in the house because he beat the dude up so bad. And his sister, who he went to go defend, was taking care of the dude. And he was like, at that point in the moment, I said, man, I'm never involving myself in other people's relationships because everybody do what works for them. Mm-hmm. So I do, I'm a firm believer in most people are going to do what works for them, but mm-hmm. they are not, they're not, uh, they don't stand up in it like you said from Joe Budden's mm-hmm. perspective like people don't stand in it enough they're not they don't embrace it enough mm-hmm. and I think that just comes from not wanting to be embarrassed and mm-hmm. not wanting to be embarrassed in today's time Wow! because think about how relationships and things play out people put them on social media oh this is my boo and they doing and saying these things that you're talking about Mm-hmm. Like claiming it, and then something doesn't work, or something doesn't plan out the way that they expected it to. And now it's, oh, where your boo at? Oh, what happened to all the pictures on the IG? <laughs> like, what happened to relationship goals? And like, well, what happened? Oh, tell us about it. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah, and so people try to avoid that. So like, I'm gonna put it on the back burner. I'm gonna act like, especially with this generation, I'm play like, it down. I don't even care. Mm-hmm. Like, even if they do do something, it don't matter. I'm living a hot girl summer. It's hot boy summer. Hoochie daddy mm-hmm. summer anyway. Like I didn't care. Hoochie no way. daddy. <laughs> You've seen that, right? Like, no. Hoochie daddy wave. Oh my hoochie god. Hoochie daddy. When have men been hoochies? Like, what is we doing? Line is becoming blurred. It is very get into that at some point too. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. You just let me know, brother. (laughs) Oh my god, like niggas is wearing shorts like down. Ah man, but you know what? Let me let me chime in here. I think that you're you're right, and I do um uh agree. And I I've I've spoke to people before, like with like school shootings, and I'm gonna tie this back into it. But they like I don't understand. When I was growing up, it was this way. Why is people because the problem is. The, this generation and, and and even some older people that are are subscribing to the way of this generation, they think everybody's looking. People exactly. always think they think their they think their life is Instagram. They think everybody's looking at them. That's why they overdo it. If you got beat up, nah, I ain't gonna let you beat me up. Shoot I'm coming back with the strap. Shoot this, nigga. you know. I'm. Uh, you ain't break up with me. I'm about to dog. I'm about to come back and post with these. You, I'm everybody. Gonna, oh no! Did you see it? You, you break it up or you cheating on me? Did you see what the girl did yesterday? That went viral. What? Nigga cheated on her, so she took his mom's ashes. His mom's ashes. She took the urn and his mom's ashes, stood over a bridge, pulled them in a the room, and then dumped the urn in the room. She was later arrested for tampering with a corpse, but. That's it. Like that's exactly what you see. They, oh, you're they, not just gonna cheat on me and get away with it. I'm gonna go dump your mom's ashes in the river. This generation oh. got they so weak, bro. Y'all so weak and sensitive. <laughs> oh my god. Y'all heard last week on the episode I talked about getting picked on at the lunch table. Like 
y'all so weak, bro. Like, it be pissing me off because I'm like, y'all are smarter than us, but yet y'all weaker. You know what I mean? Like, it's so weird to me because it's like, you, I mean, in regards to like savviness. When I say everybody smarter. started winning in that generation. I think it has. Yeah. We probably sound like, oh, get off my lawn, guys. But, bro, yeah. I remember, I've been playing football since I was seven years old. And I quit my senior year of high school. I mean, that's when you talk about commitment. But <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about weakness, bro. I remember vividly, still to this day, losing in the championship game when I was eight years old. It was seven to six. They did this play where the quarterback would it was, think about we sit seven years old, we eight years old. We played against this team called Red Shield, and they would do this play where the quarterback would walk up to the line, he act like he's gonna take the ball, and the center would just snap it through his legs to the running back. That was innovative back in the day. Oh man, <laughs> I know it don't sound like element, shit now. elementary. That's crazy. Yeah, it don't sound like shit now, but nigga, this is this is innovative back oh, in yeah. the day. They had that. That was they play. So we used to all have to watch for it, and they scored the winning like go ahead. It was six to six. They scored. The seventh point on that play, but to my point and what you're saying about weakness, that all it never escaped that we didn't win. Like mm-hmm. I, we lost that game, we was undefeated or whatever it may be that season. Had a dope team. We they cheated, by the way. Red Shield, Nashville people know East Nashville cheaters always to this day. They had like nine, ten year old people. Playing so they were the Patriots. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> they were the Patriots. Great pool, absolutely. <laughs> but my point there is in telling that story <clears throat> is there's value in a loss, bro. Like I didn't want to feel like that again, so that made me work harder the next year. And I know that may sound cliche, but when everybody get a trophy and if at the end they had been like, "Oh, it's okay," you know, we're gonna mm-hmm. give you guys this little gold we, participation, we got a ugly silver trophy, bro. They had these big ass gold mm-hmm. like baller trophies. Yeah, that shit hurt. And like you said, nowadays nobody wants to, or they so soft or sensitive because they were raised in a, oh, everybody just gets a trophy, or there's no first place, or we weren't keeping score. No, I want to know the results, nigga. Yeah. And I, 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 I totally agree. And I, 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 speaking of commitment, when I was uh, a teenager, 13, mm-hmm. my cousins, like we used to hoop. We had our own basketball goal at our house. They used to come over. We used to hoop. And I thought I was on a level. We all same age, 13, 14, 12. I would hoop with them. And I remember going over to their house one time and we was we was talking about basketball and stuff and we was getting into it or whatever. And then I and I was like, man, I'm just as good as y'all. And them niggas busted out laughing on me. Like them niggas was laughing. And I'm like, what's so funny? It's like, bro, you suck. Like flat out, you suck. I was like, no, I don't. Yes, you do, bro. You can't shoot. You don't pass the ball. Man, I was shitty. I went home that next day, the entire summer, committed and worked on my skills. Nigga, if this was 2K, them sliders went up, dog. Quick. <laughs> I could shoot, dribble, pass. I was doing everything. They was like, bro, what have what you been you doing? Do? Nigga, because I thrived off of that. Like, I'm one of those people. You tell me I can't do it. I'm going to show you I can. And I thrive off that shit. So, but that this generation and not just this generation but generations of past it's seeing an end goal and sometimes it's okay to take a l see we don't a lot one of the reasons i think is because we're scared to lose i won't commit to something because if i lose i look bad so he'd be like i wasn't really even trying anyway i wouldn't really i wouldn't playing for real anyway oh man i wasn't you know what i mean facts but that's the thing about it and one of the things that i wish i had known earlier in life because it affects you so much failure is normal mm-hmm. like it's, it's normal like you suppose like you can't be good at everything and i probably said this last week but they were t- I told about the warren buffett man's made 500 investments 10 of them have made him money mm. 10 richest man in the well one of the richest man in the world probably one of the smartest investors that they have i was listening to this book called uh, the psychology of money and they were telling the story about how everybody has this perception of like the people who are at the top they just were exceptional at what they did they Mm -hmm. just kept doing it that's it they kept doing it of course they have some superior skill sets in some sense but the fact of the matter is yeah you're gonna fail how are you gonna respond to it what's the Mm -hmm. next step Mm -hmm. this was hard or it didn't work how do I bounce back and take the next thing to how you move forward yeah that makes sense like you're saying most people are scared to do that people don't want to fail people don't want to look stupid people don't want to look dumb have to ask for help 
especially in today's generation where they feel like everybody's looking. Mm-hmm. If it's happening, what they're gonna <laughs> post about? Man. Yeah, <laughs> what they gonna say? Yeah, and it, and it's, it is that scary feeling. You just feel less than, and nobody wants to feel less than. You know what I mean? All of us want to feel equal, or if not greater than the next individual. Nobody want to feel less than, and when you fail, it makes you feel that way. Damn, why ain't I good enough? Damn, why ain't? But you know, you remember how hard it was when you was a kid to lose, and you get over, you get older, you really don't care that much. You're like, all right, bro, you got me. You know what I mean? But that takes time. I just think that if there's anybody that's younger. Uh, listening I just think that you guys should consider and say you know what you got me but I'm still dope and I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna show your ass who really the best yes. whatever your field is like go back and cook go back to the laboratory dog go back and work do the work as I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna transition this on to the you know the last part well, of this thing, before yeah. you transition mm-hmm. we want to be solution based here that was one yeah. of the things before we start working together. oh yeah one of the things that's helped me with that because I don't, I'm not immune to it either. Like that same thing, the fears of failure or whatever it may be. What's helped me with that getting older, and I think that a lot of people take for granted, mm-hmm. is showing other people grace. Like you would mm-hmm. be amazed at how it makes you feel. Like, nah, bro, that's, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Not giving them leeway or excuses to be mediocre, but when you see them trying and they do fail, let them know, like, bro, it's, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Nice try. Good yeah. job. Yeah. I appreciate you. Yeah. Start telling people that, and watch how that shit falls back on you, and how better you feel about yourself. Just being able to change the mindset of, ah man, this motherfucker let me down again. Ah, I knew they weren't gonna get it done. Ah, mm-hmm. you always do that. Versus, mm-hmm. oh, no, I appreciate this person. Okay. May not have came out like I wanted, hey bro, but thank you. Mm-hmm. Good job. When you oh. out to the waiter, whatever it may be. Hey man, I appreciate your service tonight, man. You did an awesome job. Just small shit like that makes you feel better about it and it makes you feel less apprehensive about Mm -hmm. failure. Is that uh, like people fail? Is that in a way, is that controlling your expectation? Absolutely. And I think that makes you feel like, and I I thank you, uh, big bro, here because you're right and I will implement that in the future, but we are here to provide solutions. Even if it's something small or something huge, we want to provide solutions. And something I will add to my brother Spike Lou here. Uh, there's a book called It's All in Your Head by the artist named Russ. Um, it's something so simple, but it makes such a difference. And he says, you can't control the when. You can only control the what. And that has changed my life dramatically. And the when, not W-I-N, but W-H-E-N, the timing. You can't control the when. When you want to be successful, when you want to get on, when you want to get in position to be winning at whatever it is, you can't control when that happens because that's not in your hands. However, you can control what you are doing for to be prepared for when that happens. And so with that being said, I would just say to all all of those that are listening, be committed and be consistent. But if it's not something you truly want to do, don't waste your time because you won't you won't outlast uh, the desire of it if it's not truly in you. Yep, You won't outlast the discipline that it takes to be good at it. Mm-hmm. Like he can't, said, can't coast. No. And he said on here, he says, uh. Uh, when it comes to playing the game, uh, don't always be so focused on the win. Now I'm talking about the actual win, but sometimes just focus on the points. Just focus on the points. I just scored another two. I scored another three. I kicked another field goal. However you want to put it. So whatever it is, be committed, but understand. Don't put a time limit on what you're trying to do. That's what we fail as our people mostly, but humans in general. You put a time. If, if I ain't this by the time I'm 25, if I ain't this by the time I'm 40, if I ain't stop doing that because that's not in your control. Your control is what you're doing. Try a different approach. Do this. Do that. Just keep being open to trying different things. That That's the solution I would give to some of our commitment issues. But, um, bro, so what was it that made you commit to like you've been married you told me 10 years i was surprised at that what made you commit so early like what was it for you um i always knew when i was in high school i didn't know i was i was gonna be married young i had a whole different plan let's be clear about that but like i always knew i'd rather have a woman that has the traits of 10 women than have 10 women that have one trait that i love about them I always thought that. That's the way I've always felt. I said, if I had one dope you get woman, that, that jewel from nobody. You paid that up yourself I, I, you on everything. <laughs> on everything. I promise, bro. Because I always been like some like. That's why I, you'll start to understand why I like the music I like and kind of like why I was a big Drake fan because I always been like 
I don't know. Like I'm gonna. I rapped, but I'm always certified lover boy. I am a certified lover boy. <laughs> <laughs> I always been that way. I just always been a lover. Like one Valentine's Day, I bought five roses, like the mechanical roses, and gave it out to five chicks. Like I was just always on some R and B shit. Like I, in my head, like I was, I was trying to be sexy and shit. Like I always just been into that. You know what I'm saying? Out you got the videos in the rain and shit. Not this <laughs> the shirt unbuttoned, and shit. <laughs> doing the stomp, <laughs> nigga. Jodis on everything, and bro. Getting my Cisco on, nigga. Man, that's funny you say. But uh, I always knew that. So when me and her, we met in college that freshman year, and then that sophomore year, we met each other, but we. We was we wasn't friends or nothing. She was in one organization, I was in another. We was cool, but there was nothing there. The summer after, I had been trying to figure out what her name was for the longest because I remember seeing her. I was like, dang, she just looked like she'd be girlfriend material. I don't know if you know what that means. Like, you ever see a chick where you be like, ah, oh, nah, she look like that's yeah. when you lock down. You ain't about to just like you know hit it and quit. You gonna you might not even know the yeah. chick. You just look at her essence and you be like, nah, if I, yeah. And she was like that. And, you know, we eventually talked and we got together and came boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. But to fast forward, uh, I was doing some nigga shit that most of us do. You know, I wasn't cheating, but I was definitely not being a good boyfriend. Like I was taking it to the edge all the time with women. Like I, I would be like almost... Like and they be like, nah, I can't. I got a girlfriend. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like getting real close to like, oh yeah, what you doing? Like we texted everything. I'm trying to be slick, but it never lead up to nothing because I only would take it so far because I like I'm not about to cheat or nothing. But right. Uh, but one scenario happened. I ended up going to jail, and when I was in jail, I believe that there was a vision God revealed to me in there. It was like a cloud. I remember a bunch of niggas laid <laughs> laid on some concrete blocks and shit. And I remember having, I was like, man, I got a shit like a mug, man. I didn't want to do it in front of these niggas. But I ended up getting off that toilet. And then I remember just looking at this blank brick wall and I seen a vision. And I just, I, I swear I heard a voice say, don't let that woman go. So when I got out of jail, she just looked different to me. She had a glow about her. She just looked totally different to me. She was, at that point, we'd already broke up. And, you know, I just knew that I said, I don't want to press on. I put the full court press on. I was like, I, and then what happened? We went to her aunt's uh, wedding, which her aunt's like, basically her old enough to be her cousin, basically. So they're close in age. They were young and they got married. And I don't know. For me, at that moment, it just kind of solidified what I was thinking. I was like, I just didn't know it was cool to be be young and married. I thought it was like, oh, my life is over. Oh, this shit is <laughs> whack. You know, it's over. Like if you watched. But when I seen them get married, I just thought, I don't know, it just hit me different. And I'm like, nah, I could, I could do dope shit with her. Like, it ain't like I, I'm, 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 that's tying you down or something. Yeah. Like, I looked it's at it like it was limited. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what it's so. Eventually, after that, you know, I, I decided, I made the commitment. I talked to her dad. We did traditional shit, went somewhere and ate. And, you know, we've been rocking since. You know, we've had some moments where he's like, Are we, we still want to do this. You know, it's a real thing. You know, 10 years, you're going to have those those moments but I always knew as I rap uh, as far as that commitment part with me and her I always knew I say look I, I want to make this marriage as easy as possible for you and I hope that you want to do the same mm. and we've actually gotten way better like it was actually harder on the front end like you would yeah. think it's harder later it's, it was harder on the front end because we I feel like when you get married you start in the negatives neither one of y'all got shit you know what I'm saying like at our age 21 and 22 but <laughs> we worked our way to zero and now from here we're at zero. Now we're going up into the positives and building and having some shit. Yeah. So that's a little gem for y'all. You know what I mean? You know, hey, you know, uh, shouts out to Martin, man. I'm the new love doctor. You know what I mean? That's funny. Oh, I'm the love doctor, man. Okay, trust me on that. I'll send you the bill. Thanks, though. All right. Yeah, I, I, I give it to you. I would. I'll open the door for you on there, my brother. What I related to most there was the jails. <laughs> We definitely gonna have to compare short jail stints because that happened to me before as well. I think oh, it's yeah. an interesting podcast at some point. Okay. Because that yeah. was probably the worst eight <laughs> days of my life. Eight nigga. I shit. I thought it was bad. I had three on the first, second time. Like yeah, we're gonna run that up. We gonna I'm gonna put that on the next we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, but you you that I one hundred percent agree with you as far as commitment and wanting to mm-hmm. do it. A lot of it got to do with want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, is it gonna be easy or just taking into consideration how hard stuff is and do I want to do it? Mm -hmm. Then you can manage your expectations and do whatever you need to. And don't look for instant gratification, y'all. 
Not it takes a while to know. Yeah, I made the right move. It takes a while. You got to know that. Um, but I wanted to do. This is something I'm, I wanted to implement to the pod here, Spike. Uh, since we, it's called another week in the books, okay. I figured that we leave each other with a homework assignment. Okay. Right. And so last week we kind of did a homework assignment, and this is going to be real interesting. What you felt last week? You said go run that UGK back, and I told you to go check out that Buddy album. Yeah. I need to get the name. I never say the name. Uh, but Buddy album. Yeah, I'm pulling it up now. But I As never you get to know me more. You're gonna find out I'm the worst when it comes to listening to music. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I like, mean, niggas I'm, are sending me shit, and I'm like, I'm not listening to that. And uh, but they, st- I, I appreciate they still sending to. I did listen to that, buddy, and the name of it is Harlan and Alondra. Yeah, and it was cool. I got why you liked it. It's fun. It's creative. It reminds me of influences of Outkast and different mm-hmm. things of that nature. So I do absolutely, see, I can 100 see why you like it, but it's not for me. Okay, not for me at all. Um, not and I like Buddy though. What like what buddy. is it that you? What is it that you actually like? What is it? If you had to pick like a specific, is it the lyric ability? Is it the delivery? The story? What ability? He can rap too. The lyrical ability. So you're a Lupe fan? Mm, no. You're a Royce fan? Yes. Love Royce. Love Royce. Okay. I'm just trying to gauge. What's always going to deter me from a rapper. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't like that cartoonish over. I don't, I don't like too much showmanship. Like, I don't, Ludacris is probably one of my least favorite rappers. Okay. Yeah. Not because he can't rap. I just don't, I don't like that. Like, stand up. Like, I hate all of that shit, bro. Lacks his own personality, you feel like? Yeah. Yeah. Like, mm. I don't, I don't, I ain't, I ain't into none of that. I'm never listening to like him. And, and, and Buddy kind of gives me, what? Buddy does give me outcasts and those feelings. Gives me oh, <laughs> Ludacris. <my> God. <laughs> We this is where we always disagree. We get to the end. And that's of the why I don't like the baby too. Like niggas, I don't like overly animated rappers. Okay, okay, I get that. Well, like more or less is more. Yeah, Busta Rhymes. Like none of those guys work for me. What about Wayne though? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> I started listening here to him earlier before he started doing it. Like mm, Wayne, okay. you gotta think when I was introduced to Wayne, he was a thirteen-year-old hot boy. He yeah, was the person right. closest in age. In the group to me, so I even gravitated to him more than Juvenile, BG, or Turk. So seeing him grow into that just made me think, damn, that nigga got even colder. Oh, so man. yeah, this is different to him. If I maybe if I'd known Ludacris beforehand, it would have been dope. But yeah, okay. And it's the big Ti. I like Ti a lot too. So like we was discussed that whole Ti Ludacris beat really got me. Oh man, damn, damn. Damn, Luda. And that goes to show how influential rappers can be. Like, we just came over the YSS. I, was, I, was, I wasn't fucking with Luda. Nah, it was super over then. So, so you you checked it out. You didn't really like it. You, you're not saying it was too cartoony. It just wasn't your style. It was a little style. animated. It was a animated thing? Okay. Animated. All right. But you like Kendrick? Dude, love Kendrick. See, this is that's what makes it's it weird. It's got to be something deep. more specific. His animation is deep, though. Like that whole like to pimp butterflies, my last my favorite album, probably the last 2014 Forest Hills Drive and to Pimp Butterfly, probably my two favorite albums in the last 20 years. I may be missing some but my beautiful dark twist of pain. No, nah, my 10 years, 10 years, 10 years. Watch the throne. Well, you not last like 10 years, them. that ain't in there. Yeah. yeah, like last 12 to 10 years, those two are my favorite albums. And with Kendrick, like I love that 2014. That changed my life. Oh, man, that changed crazy. my life. It, it literally changed my life. I mean that shit. We Shout out to Cole, man. Depth and an yeah. whole episode dedicated mm-hmm. to that. But yeah, that 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 album weighs very heavy on me too. I man. love it. Yeah. That made me become a J. Cole fan. Like the whole backstory behind it. But oh yeah. Yeah, oh, Kendrick, yeah. Kendrick ain't as animated. Like people say that a lot with me. I think it just fits with him. Like it fits the whole story that he tells. Like he doesn't just change his voice on some Nicki Minaj shit like I'm <laughs> just start rapping like here for this 16 for no fucking reason yeah. I always feel like that his ties into the story that he's telling and he's always telling the story on his projects so it's never really bothered me his switching to his voice or being animated I, yeah I, I, it does I mean it does fit him I don't like it 
but I like Kendrick. I don't really like the like you like the persona. You don't fuck with the music. It's certain. I guess he got so many different voices. It just depends on what he's using. Like I, I like when he's just when he uses his regular voice, like uh, like that control verse. Like who the fuck y'all thought is supposed to be? Phil Jackson came back, still no coaching me. I'm uncoachable. I'm unsociable. Fuck y'all clubs. The way he was rapping, like he's this little nigga with this strong voice. Like I like when he be rapping like that. Uh, or, or like you know, uh, nostalgia or whatever. But okay, I mean, I get that. I but so you, did you listen to UGK? I did. You listen to Riding Dirty. Yes. Okay. So first, I'm gonna say it's a good album. It is a good album. I've listened the to it. Greatest, before. one of the greatest albums of all time. But go ahead. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What you the think so- about the skits and stuff? Like, what what is the side? What is that? Uh, Y'all can keep the skits, bro. What? It's a story. It's a what, story. Th- this nigga in jail telling you what's going on around him. He in jail telling you how he got there. Come murdering a nigga. <laughs> like I didn't. I didn't get that. He talking about niggas booty clapping or some shit. I'm like, he's saying something about some tell, niggas yeah, is, like yeah, kissing okay. niggas then, behind yeah, me or something yeah, like. I don't kissing man straight out of sight. <laughs> nah, I know. I know it all. Do you want me to recite it? I know it. <laughs> I know. Um, well, go ahead. You the analyst over here. <laughs> No, but he was, yeah. There was a nigga that was telling you what was going on on the inside in yeah. jail. He that his perspective was from a nigga in jail. Like they was either talking to him on the phone. He was just explaining where these songs lead you to. Mm, like okay. that's next. His I, that's my interpretation of it. I love to talk to Bon B about it, but my interpretation has always been this dude that they're talking to, like that led the album off. He's on the inside, just giving you a perspective of yeah all of this shit that we're talking about on these tracks are cool this is where it leads you to this mm-hmm. is where you're gonna be talking about this shit from mm-hmm. jail <laughs> the murder <laughs> the one day all this shit mm-hmm. so you didn't like I, no i think it, i think it's a good album like i'm just gonna leave it i'll say it's a good album i understand i completely understand why people call it classic for me it's definitely you have to drive in this you cannot this ain't no sit around uh-uh. The songs are way too long. Like, nigga, y'all, it's, y'all got five minutes on every song, bro. Like, <laughs> it's too long, bro. Like, God, it Man, was that stretching. Is crazy to hear. But the shit is banging as far as them beats. Like, that was a joint on there. Uh, I think it's Fuck My Car. Mm-hmm. That sh- they <laughs> some- actually, they beefed with Too Short about that song. Too Short, oh. actually. He has the exact same song uh. on, um, if you look up Getting It, I think it's his Getting It album. Mm. He was supposed to be retiring. It was his mm. tenth album, which shit came out in two thousand, but around the same time, actually. Mm. Well, that that they, they the beats were slapping on there. They were rapping their ass off. I think, like I said, I think it was a good album. I just uh, again for my my taste, um, and they did have some melodies in there, and I like that shit. You know, uh, pimp. You know, definitely. And it's interesting because hearing this, all I thought about was one of my favorite artists, Big Crit. Like I, I thought about, yeah. dang, you can see the strong influence Heavy through this influence. album. Heavy. So I thought it was a good album. Um, will I run it back? I had to try it out in the car, maybe. Yes, you know what I mean? Please. It's definitely take, not a, I can't sit around in AirPods. No, it ain't no AirPods <laughs> album. At it's all. not. Like this is one of the ones you, you, you got to feel a certain way. So, uh, but I didn't get the, a night out in uh, Texas feel though. It didn't give me really? that. Feel. Nah, it didn't give me that though. It, I, I get what Bun's saying, but it didn't give me that. But definitely braggadocio, letting you niggas know like, and they niggas was lyrical though. So it was a good album. Uh, that's that's what I will say about that. Um, that was the first time you listened to it, right? Mm-mm, no, I did heard it before. You just want to check the double back. Yeah, okay. I said because because it was a recommendation from you, some homework assignment. So I had to run it back just to make sure and I. That murder's still banging. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's the homework assignment for this week? What do you got for? Me? All right, to give you a little insight into just this is how we kind of get to know each other a little bit more. A homework assignment for me. I'm going to advise you check out my man Ace Hood. People no. don't, huh? Oh, for real? Oh, for real? Wow. No, go ahead. <laughs> nah, Ace Hood. That's my guy. Like he. I don't think he's been uh, done justice as far as uh, his lyrical ability and his. Uh, I think people just think of him as like radio hits and shit, but he really pushes that hustle brand. And I think you you go up Stone Mountain all the time. I think his shit is definitely that like motivational. So he has a, a project uh, that came out a couple years ago, and 
and I never did tell you, but I'm more of a mixtape guy than an album. So when you was like, what albums do you listen to? I'm really more of a, a mixtape guy, like especially around the blogger. Uh, so I, I know a lot of that shit, but I would say he got a, a, a album that I really love. It's called Trust the Process. Uh, it came out 2018. Um, get the one got, where he on there where he had been working out and shit. And yeah, where well, he's running up the street, like the the cover art is that one. Yeah, that that shit that shit banging. Like if you if you a person that work out, you hustling, you you, you going hard trying to get to it and get your morning started. I I I think everybody should do a homework assignment on that. Go check out that Ace Hood. Uh, trust the process. That shit is 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 fire to me. Trust the process, Ace Hood. Trust the process too. I'm sorry, undefeated. Because he got a he got one, but one is not as good. The second one, uh, him running in the street. That's the one. So that's my homework assignment for Spike over here. What about you, bro? Mine, I mentioned it earlier. First Nashville rap album that I learned back to back. I ain't going to burden you with the whole album. You can listen to the whole album if you like. Because I realized this was a long time ago. But if you look it up on YouTube, it's Cool Daddy Press. It's all true album. Uh, the first song. You listen to the first song. It's, it actually got a video. came out in 1994. So check it out. Cool Daddy Fresh. It's all true. The video is on YouTube. Came out 10 years ago. Sixth okay. grade? Fifth, fifth grade. Cool Daddy Fresh. Yep. K-O-O-L. Cool Daddy Fresh. And I learned this full song back, back to front in fifth grade, nigga. And this is this was my introduction into getting into this type of rap. But just check it out. Cool Daddy Fresh. It's all true. All right, y'all. Well, it's been another week in the books. Outcast, a podcast. Log out. You.